Queen Ida, I want to begin by asking you how you became Queen Ida. I became Queen Ida at a function that was given at one of the parochial schools. Oh, God, that was back in 1975. And it was a Mardi Gras celebration. And there's always a king and a queen of Mardi Gras. And so during the, the day that youngsters were king and queen, in the evening, they crowned me Queen Ida, queen of the Zydeco music. That's how it all got started. And it stuck. And it stuck. I wanted to change the name down the line. My brother had a band. I only, at that time, only probably had six or seven songs in my repertoire. And my brother had his own band. He had been playing around the Bay Area for years, a small rock and roll band. And he asked me to come and sit in with them. And I said no. But then after I was dubbed Queen Ida by a reporter, Peter Levin, they kept asking to see this lady that was dubbed Queen Ida. And then that's when I decided, okay, I'll go and sit in and do two or three songs with him per engagement. And that's how it all got started. Then they started asking to see this band with this Queen Ida. <laughs> and so here I am. You play the accordion. Yes, I do. You play the push-button accordion, which is different from the keyboard accordion. Can you just describe yes. what the difference is? Well, the difference is the keyboard, it doesn't matter if you uh, extend the bellows or if you bring them back in. On the keyboard, you have the same note. Whatever note that you're playing, you have the same note, same key, or same sound. But with the diatonic accordion, which is the button accordion, if you push one chord or one note and you pull, it's two different sounds, two different notes. And so that is more difficult to learn to play than the keyboard. When you were a kid and you would play the accordion, your mother didn't think that that was something that a girl should do, certainly in public. Yes, but I didn't grab the accordion until I was about 18. And it was still, girls are not allowed to play accordions or any other instrument except a violin or a fiddle. That was feminine. The others were too masculine. You grew up in Louisiana. Yes. Your parents were strict. Very, <laughs> very strict. We had to be escorted up until 18 Whenever we'd go out with a boyfriend or wherever we'd go, we were escorted. There were seven of you? Seven children, four girls and three boys. In Louisiana, your father was a farmer. Correct. My dad did a lot of farming, and I had to work with my dad in the fields. And during that time, during the war, World War II, they started inducting guys to go to war. And my dad, because he was a farmer, he was able to defer several men, including my brother. When you grew up, there wasn't a lot of money for extras, but your parents were both great, great farmers. They had wonderful gardens. And in your yes. book, Cooking with Queen Ida, boy, do you talk yes. about some of the food that, that would come out of those gardens. Talk about that yes. upbringing. Tell us Correct. what it was like. Well, we had no water, no electricity. We just had to get water from the wells. Sometimes that water was hard, hard, what we call hard water. It's very difficult to get any soap action. 
And so we had to go to the canal. We had canals nearby for irrigation. And that water, for some reason, was easier to use for not cooking, but for washing, scrubbing. That's what we had to do to do the clothes for the uh, workers and for ourselves. But we did have drinking water from the wells. Queen Ida, tell us about the kind of music you listened to when you were growing up. Believe it or not, it was mostly uh, uh, country-western music because as we got, became older, we got crystal radios, and uh, we'd listen to whatever we could get on the air, and 90% of the time it was country-western. I listened to that as a youngster, very young. But then, of course, as I became an adult... I would listen to blues and very soft rock and, of course, some jazz. How did you come to play Zydeco? (laughs) Well, actually, my mother had two brothers that played Cajun and Zydeco. And they were playing, and obviously it was in the family. They They kept it going. And finally, my mother told my brothers, we were living in California at that time, And she said, I'm making a trip to Texas and Louisiana, and I'll bring back some some, uh, 78s. Those were, at the time, very fragile. And she managed to bring some home that were not broken and that we could listen to. And she told my brothers, I want you guys, you boys, she made that statement clear, to keep up the traditional Zydeco music. It's been around for so many years. And it's one of our cultural music. And, of course, Ida being Ida, tomboy, I uh, listened to them. My brothers began to play. My youngest brother, Al, he began to play and follow the uh, records. And it was sounding real great. So I decided one day I'd borrow the accordion and started trying myself. But it was so difficult to push and pull. I'm trying to find this note, and it was on the push position, trying to find the other one, it was on the pull position. So it took me a while to understand really how to operate that little monster. They call it a monster. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I actually learned. And then my brother had a band, and he was playing around the Bay Area. And I uh, would listen to him and his band, and it was sounding so good because it was a complete band. And, of course, that made a big difference in the sound. And that's how it became interesting in just learning more and more, but only for my own purpose. But I got caught in the act when I played this uh, Mardi Gras celebration in San Francisco at this parochial school. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yes. Can you describe what Zydeco music is? Actually, Zydeco music is a lot of uh, influences from other music, such as we have blues, naturally. We have a little country western. We have a little Mexican uh, style music, salsa or what. All of those elements makes up Zodico. You're Creole rather than Cajun, and people often can confuse the difference between the two. Can you explain what the difference between Creole and Cajun is? Oh Well, well the, the difference is Cajuns are actually more French, and we are a mixture. 
We're a mixture of French, Spanish, Indian, and West Indies. So we're, so I'm a mutt. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. So, so that's, the, that's the difference in Creole and uh, Cajun. But English was your second language. Correct. You grew up speaking We've, Creole. That's correct. Grew up speaking Creole. Even when I started school, I couldn't speak a word of English. I could understand a lot of it, but I couldn't speak it because my mom and dad at the time, my dad could speak it better than my mom, but they always spoke the Creole to us. And the teacher said, you have got to learn to speak English. And she had a little ruler, and she spanked my hands inside my hand, the palm. And I, I answered her in French, I will speak it when I learn it. <laughs> I was being a little bad girl there. How did you get to California from Louisiana? My mom and my dad both had visited my sister that had moved to California. She was married, and her husband was stationed in, in the San Francisco area, Bay Area. And my dad came out for a visit. My mom did as well. But when my dad came, he lo loved the weather. He liked everything about San Francisco. So he came back home and told my mom, I like it, so when you take your trip up there, let me know if you like it. If you like it, then we'll move. And my mom said, just like that? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, I'm tired of farming because we have to pray from morning to night every season. And he said, I'm tired. And my mom came. She loved it. She called him back and told him, yes, I like it. He said, well, okay, find a place, find a house, and call me and tell me what it costs, and I'll send the money. And that's how we moved to California. How old were you? I was 17. And what year was this? 1947. Well, you got married. You had three kids. You drove a school bus. Yes. After I got married, I had three kids. And they were all in school. And I decided to do some part-time work. I'm tired of doing the same work at home, you know, being a housewife and washing, cleaning, cooking, taking care of the kids. And I decided to find a part-time job. And then I read the ad in the newspaper. They wanted school bus drivers. Uh, they needed women school bus drivers. They didn't specify women. But most women were there to apply for the job. There were men there, but most women. And that's how I started a part-time job, is driving a school bus, uh, which was, what, two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, and that was perfect. I'd get home almost the same time with my kids. We'd leave pretty much the same time in the morning. And my husband was working nights, so he was always home when the kids were coming home. So it worked out perfect during all that time, your accordion, so to speak, was in the closet. You weren't playing. And then one day, you took it out of the closet. What, what yes. made you do that? Bored. <laughs> you know, you can get bored. You want to do something. Oh, plus, I was listening to the music. I had the radio on. And I was home, and I was listening to music. And I heard uh, Creedence Clearwater playing. And that sound was so much like Zydeco sound because they had a big tub as what they call a gut bucket as a bass line. 
And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is great. I grabbed the accordion, and that stayed with me because of the sound. And then I started buying Creedence Clearwater's albums. At that time, they were albums. And I kept the tune in my mind, kept it in my head. And then I would play around it as I would think about it. And, of course, that was a lot of trying to find the right notes and the right sound. And I learned Lodi and uh, different songs that they had. But Lodi was one that I, I, I remember. Bad Mood on the Rise. Those were two songs that I remember trying to master. My way, not their way, but my way. And I managed to do that. Then after that, I, I became more interested in picking up the accordion and trying to play other songs that I had heard when my mother's brothers were playing the music at their functions or at the Sunday afternoon on the back porch. And so I started trying to play all that. And finally, I was mastering some. And meantime, your brother was playing in a Zydeco yes. band, wasn't he? And yes. I have to say, Louisiana's two great gifts to the rest of the country, cooking and music. And he yes. decided he would combine that to give people a real taste of Creole culture. He was going to give away gumbo at his concerts. Right. right. He did that. V- very instrumental. We would play at small clubs because that's what he was doing in that time, play, playing the clubs, the circuit. And uh, they would advertise and he would tell the, the promoter, look, we're going to bring gumbo. We're going to make gumbo. We're going to bring it, and we're going to give it away so they'll know the culture and the food that we Creole use in Louisiana. And we did that, and you'd be surprised at the amount of people that came, and, and of course the word of mouth is really how we really were able to get our music around and about. Tell me about the first time you sat in with the band. My brother's band. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, it was at the, this Mardi Gras celebration. Oh, it was. That was the first time. As, in public. Wow. Definitely. What did it feel Otherwise, like? It was, I was nervous, of course. And all the men came right in front of the stage because it was strange to see a woman play an accordion. And I was nervous, very nervous. But I kept my cool and I thought, oh, well, uh, this is it. They're either going to like me or they're not going to. And fortunately for me, they did. Queen Ida, you are so energetic when you perform. Have you always been this way? Have you always been so full of energy? I, I think I've always been a very active person, energetic, especially in my younger days. And even up to now, the kids will laugh at me. Sometimes the music will be playing and I like the music. And I'll start dancing by myself. <laughs> For some reason, you know, that music gives me energy. Don't ask me how and why, but it does. It does something to my body. It does something to me. And that when I hear it, if I'm not tapping my feet, I'm up and, and dancing alone. Well, of course, this is at home. <laughs> it's not at, at an engagement or anything. And then, of course, at the engagement, I start playing and I feel real, real energetic, and I'll even dance on the stage. But the, I don't know, it's just natural of me, I suppose, because mm. I seem to do it most of the time. 
Well, your career really took off. You went from clubs to festivals. You've had 11 albums. Yes. A Grammy Award. Yes. And you've had numerous radio and TV appearances. Yes. You played at Carnegie Hall. Yes. What was that like? That was fantastic. I played with the Bombazo group. We opened for them, actually. And after we did our, our 45 minutes, whatever it was, we went off stage. And we had a standing ovation. And so one of the staff members on, on stage, stage manager, came up and said, do you have a three-minute song? He said, we're going to allow you a three minutes to do another song because if I've ever seen a standing ovation, this is one. And I said, yes. And so we gathered the boys and went back on and did another song. And it was just fantastic. The place was packed, a sellout. And it was, again, a standing ovation, but of course we couldn't go back. <laughs> we had done our bit, and it was time for the Mambazo group to go on. That was fantastic. A highlight of my life. You also appeared at Parting the Waters, a benefit for the victims of Hurricane Katrina in New York City's town hall. Yes. Tell us about that. That was great. That was fantastic. A lot of bands were there, uh, a lot of uh, uh, po people you know, doing poet. That was great. That was fantastic. And it was for such a good cause that we enjoyed it because we knew what it was for because of the uh, Katrina disaster in New Orleans. And our hearts was in, into that. Is it different when you and your band go back to Louisiana and play there than, for example, if you play for a more general audience in New York City who may or may not know Zydeco, may or may not know the Creole culture? That's a good question because, as you said, the people in Louisiana already know about Zydeco. But people like other states out of Louisiana, even including Texas, which is adjacent, they seem to appreciate it more because it's new, something different, lively. They're laughing, they're smiling, they're tapping their feet, they're bobbing their heads. They're actually moving. They don't realize that they are. And that's a great, great audience and a great, great feeling. When I first started this music and went around the United States and, and of course, the world, uh, but when I first started, went around the United States, they didn't know, they had never heard of it. They didn't know what, at that time, what Mardi Gras was. That was in the 70s. And they didn't realize any of this. So it was like I was from another country, not a state within the states. It was so different to them and so new. And yet it was so interesting when you write in your book about when you went to Ghana. It's French-speaking, so you had the language connection, but there also seemed to be a, a musical connection as well when you performed. Yes, the, the, the drums. The drums is, there, is the connection with the African people. And we did this song when we were in one part of, of Africa, Hey Laba. And, of course, I had the audience repeat after us and sing along with us. And as the concert ended and we were on our way home, you could hear a group of youngsters out on the roads, and all you could hear was, Hey, Laba. And they were singing on their way home. I thought that was great. 
that made me feel real good because they understood, they knew what Helaba meant. Music is dynamic. It it does change. And I was wondering if in the years that you've been playing and performing Zydeco music, have you seen some changes in the music itself? Definitely. Definitely. There are some bands that are playing mostly American music and not the old traditional Zydeco. Now, there's a limitation to Zydeco music because all the oldies have gone beyond and there's no more to learn except what we are able to put together because it's not written. And so you just combine music together and call it Zydeco. Now, blues is an influence to to us in the Zydeco field. So we have this mixture of blues and, and as I said, country western and salsa, not per se in its purity, but you can hear all those elements when we're playing Zydeco. You were touring 200 days a year, over. Oh, yes, and more. Yes. And I remember one year I told my uh, agent, I said, John, I've got to slow down. I have not been home more than four or five days in a month, and I'm always on the road. So okay, he said, well, next year we're going to slow down. And I think that's when it came down to 200 days. <laughs> it wasn't much of a slowdown. However, it was a little rest. Is it very special to play with your son or to see him on the stage with you? Yes, it is. It, it's a great feeling. And actually, I'll tell you the truth of the matter of why I, I was in the business this long is because I had him with me, which is my son. My brother Al was with me. And I felt at home. I felt some. my family was with me. And then my brother Willie who played the, the rub board, was with me. And then my other son, Ronald, would be with me playing rub board. So we were almost a family band. And I didn't mind being away from home because it felt like I was at home because I was with them. Do you find that there are girls or young women who kind of want to take a page out of your book and continue to tear through the barriers and play in a Zydeco band? There are some, there are a few that are playing a fiddle, and there are some, of course, that are playing the accordion. And uh, there are quite a, a few of them around the Bay Area that are interested in keeping up with the music or love the music enough to get into it. And uh, they're doing a fine job. I've gone to some of their engagements, and I've, I've gone to festivals around the Bay Area where some of them will come and play. And uh, they sound real great. With audiences, Queen Ida, do you see cross-generations in the audience? Oh, yes. We have them from 90 down to 15, 16. They're into it. It's unbelievable because when I got started, 15, 16 kids at, at, at a festival, the only place they can go. But now you see them at that age. And, of course, as I said, up to 90 because I have seen... One lady I know, she's been following our band for years, and she is at every festival that I have ever attended. She's there, 90. Now, she's more than 90 now, I think. But, and she dances by herself. 
She just and she said, "This music just keeps me going," and I believe her. She's already <laughs> 90, 90, 91 years old. You know, it's so interesting what you said earlier about your mother saying to remember Zydeco to keep that heritage alive. And you've been right. called by many people an ambassador of Creole culture. Right. I have, I have been called the ambassador of the culture. Yes, many places. With both food and music. Oh, the food too, right. And the food is so different than a lot of food. You've got the same ingredients, but it's done in such a different way that, of course, it gives it a different taste. How did you find out you won a National Heritage Fellowship, and what went through your mind? I think Barry called me. That would be Barry Burgey, the Director of Folk and Traditional Arts. Yes. He called me, and he said, Queen Ida. I said, yes, speaking. He said, you have won an award to the NEA. I said, excuse me, but I can't talk very well right now. I am so pleased and so nervous. I don't know what to say. <laughs> he just laughed and he said, well, I just wanted you to know and we're happy for you. Oh, gosh, that was a thrill. Well, Queen Ida, we can't wait till you're with us in September. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So am I. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. Thank you, Josephine.